Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability. This is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity, and I'm your host, Gary Turner. I'm also the founder of HexoChange, and HexoChange is a transformational change practice dedicated to helping you connect to yourself, to others, and to systems at large in a more meaningful way, thus helping us turn around our workplace and planetary challenges and accelerating how alive we all feel in every aspect of our lives. This track is called Kaleidoscope and was created for me personally and for HexoChange by Peter Griffiths, one half of the amazing Mind Takeaway. I hope you enjoy this exploration and please do share it on your social platforms so we can bring more humanity to more people. Hope to speak to you soon. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability. This is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. And my evening, I'm so grateful to introduce you, the listener, to Joey Price, who is the CEO and founder of Jump State Height Jar. And also he has his own podcast called Business Life and Coffee. So welcome to the podcast, Joey. Gary, I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to have this conversation for your listening audience today. Thank you so much. And look, as we get going, for those that may not know you, Joey, would you mind just giving us a bit of a, an overview? You know, who is Joey? You know, how did Jumpstart come into being? And what are you personally passionate about? Oh, man, so many great uh, talking points there. But my name is Joey. And on, on Twitter and Instagram, it's Joey V. Price HR. And you, you've got to say you're a little obsessed with HR if uh, HR is in your Twitter handle. Um, that would be the case. I am a founder of an HR consulting company called Jumpstart HR, where we provide consulting support, ongoing outsourcing support for small businesses and startups that are based in the U.S., as well as multinational companies that are looking to branch into the U.S., and they kind of want a, a guide to help them navigate the tricky world of, of HR in the U.S., so that's, that's what I do professionally, in addition to having the podcast, um, speaker, writer, uh, thought leader, although that always. Fantastic. And how did you come into being with the uh, podcast? How did that come up for you, Joey? What was your inspiration? Well, my inspiration for the podcast was really uh, thinking about how did I become successful and and how did I advance in my career and the reality is is that it was a series of coffee shop conversations it was a series of uh, me reaching out to people or people inviting me to have coffee with them and to share insight whether it was a mentor relationship or a business relationship and so I, I realized that not everyone has that same opportunity to to reach out to experts in their field or to network with uh, people that can help them move move into their next step in their profession. And so I labeled my podcast Business Life and Coffee because similar to a coffee shop, um, you know, it's not even really about the coffee in as much as it's about the collaboration and the atmosphere of, of professional growth that a coffee shop provides. So I wanted to create a virtual coffee shop for listeners and uh, talk all manner of things from uh, professional success, marketing, business operations, and as well as things that matter in your life, like relationships and um, personal finance and just thinking about the bigger picture beyond yourself. 
That's awesome. And I cannot genuinely recommend the, the podcast enough. I've listened to dozens of these, Joey, and I, I always come away with a smile, but also some insights. It's brilliant. Keep on, <laughs> keep on, do, keep on doing that work. It's brilliant. And Thank you. I'm also really intrigued, you know, you spoke as you, you introduced yourself to us today around this passion for HR as, a, as, a, as an area of practice. You know, you've done a master's in HRM and development, I believe. You know, what does, where, where does that fuel come from? Like when, when you was a child, did you always believe you was going to be working with people, Joey? I did. When I was a child, though, it looked a little different because I thought I was going to be a doctor. Okay. Um, I, I knew that I wanted to help people. Uh, I feel like most youth have that as their, you know, top bullet point of how do you want to change the world? Well, you, you know, you want to help people. But I ran into freshman chemistry in college and I realized I didn't have a passion for the sciences that I thought I did. And so it was in my undergrad career where I was able to have some corporate office experience and I spoke with people in the HR profession, and I, I learned a little bit about myself. I took every personality assessment possible, you know, a Myers-Briggs to a Strength Finder to a DIS, and really landed on the fact that I like business. Um, I do like helping people, but it's more of um, a strategic diplomat kind of role where I want to see two sides win. And in business, those two sides are often... Uh, the company and the employee or management and the employee. And so uh, I thought it was a, a good fit for me. And that was what initially got me to take an HR job out of college. But the more I learned about the field and the more uh, opportunity that I saw within the field and how no two days are the same, how, you know, I could scratch my, um, scratch my interest in law through legal compliance, scratch my interest in marketing through employee communications and, and uh, things of that nature. I just saw that HR was this big umbrella to really um, make it whatever I wanted it to be so long as I was in the right role and doing things that I was passionate about. So my love for HR kind of evolved from college and then just being a voracious learner in the field and wanting to connect with people who could inspire me such as yourself and just saying like wow the possibilities are, are endless uh, in this profession I, I really appreciate that share Joey um, because you know you're such a strong advocate for the function and I fully agree with you that the opportunity like I think it's the only it's probably the only function actually within an organization that sees everything probably even more than the CEO on a sort of day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, I mean, Gary, so often I hear this conversation from HR professionals about, well, we wanna have a seat at the table. We wanna have a seat at the table. But the reality is you hired everyone who is sitting at the table. Act <laughs> like you belong at the table because you, you do touch everything. There's nothing that happens in an organization. Well, I shouldn't say nothing that happens, but there's no person that joins an organization without going through HR processes and protocol. So not only does HR have a seat at the table, they brought everyone to the table. So belong, uh, act as though you, you do belong at that, that uh, theoretical table. I'd like to explore that a bit if I may actually, Joey, because I think it's, it's really interesting. So on that one side, it's very clear 
that HR is heavily involved in the recruitment, you know, retention of those people at the table, inverted commas. Yet there seems to be, to me at times, an identity crisis at times within HR. It's like, who are we? Is it OD? Is it L&D? Is it reward? It's almost like there's this infighting that goes on that actually stops them being amazing within their own organization at times. Is that something you see on occasion? Would you challenge that? I, I wouldn't challenge that, actually, Gary, because I've seen that identity crisis probably the last seven years. Uh, HR, the field in and of itself, is trying to figure out what it is in the midst of business changing what it is. So HR, I, if I were to sit with a, a young professional, and I'm actually, this, is, this will be part of my, my keynote that I'm giving in a, in a few days, but if I were to, to talk with a young professional about what is HR and what is this role in an organization, I would remind that young professional that HR serves two functions. One, for the development of people within the organization, and then two, to advance the business objectives of the organization in which it serves. And so in that regard, HR should be as flexible uh, as needed in order to accomplish those things. So if development of people means there's a skills gap in your organization and there needs to be some learning and development, okay, great. Let, as a collective HR body within the organization, make that a primary focus and upskill your employees. If um, you know, an organizational goal is to penetrate a certain market, that is geographically different than the ones you currently serve, then great, run full force in recruitment and retention strategies that are applicable in that geographic location. So it, it kind of takes the conversation full circle in that HR is all things to all people within the organizational context. Uh, if that doesn't get too, too deep or, or anything like that, but it, it has to be nimble, it has to adjust because the demands of your executive team are very clear. It's how do we get our people to perform the best and how do we perform the best as an organization? And HR has to get in the game in that sort of conversation and say, hey, we're ready to do what's necessary. If that's learning, that's learning. If that's uh, structuring our business differently, that's, that's, it's that. If it's offering a, a beneficial comp and benefits plan that attracts and retains the kind of worker that we want here at our organization, let's run with that. Um, so it, it, it has to adopt a, a, an identity of really being the chameleon that's responsible for the people in the business and the way that the people work towards business objectives. Joey, that is stunning. Like, it's going to sound obvious to you, but I genuinely, genuinely thank you for that clarity of description. Because from my side, so I come into HR, so although I'm qualified CIPD, I'm actually an international salesperson. And that's the <laughs> lens I enter the sort of people space with. And I think if we genuinely want to be at that inverted commas table, you've just picked on the two perfect things, which is actually, you know, advancing the business and developing the people. And I think for a long time now, we've been focused myopically on the advancing the business, almost at the detriment, certainly this side of the pond, of developing the people. But if we can come in as HR professionals and show that we A, we understand the business and B, to amplify those, benef those business benefits, we need to develop people. Like, who would not want to talk about that? 
Yeah, I would agree. And and thank you for for um, your your comments. I mean, we are having this conversation, and and I I'm not naive to realize that business is in cycles and in seasons. And so, you know, if you were to look back, I'd say 20, 30 years ago, business was all about management. How do we make widgets faster? How do we make things more efficient? Yada, yada, yada. Uh, after that 20 year swing, it has been about leadership. Uh, you know, executives have learned that there have to be soft skills. You, you can't approach all people the same. Yes, efficiency is important, but so is the way that we treat people. And so we're kind of still in that swing, but we're transitioning into the technology space where we're fascinated with these shiny new toys that engineers can build for us and, and solve problems. But we can't lose sight of the fact that we're here to develop people as well. And so we're swinging out of that leadership uh, arc, which was more people focused, maybe not as people focused as, as an HR person would, would kind of like, because there's still issues of pay inequality and uh, disparate impact and things of that nature that, that riddle our organizations. But the reality is, is that, yes, we still have to be here for the people. Awesome. Wonderful. So leading into a little bit of the work that you do with Jumpstart HR, um, Joey, I'm really intrigued, like as you help some of these smaller startups or maybe SMEs try and scale their business, and you're offering these, I believe it's outsourced or third party HR support. Is that correct, Joey? Yes, that's correct. We plug in for the, for the company that has never had the HR professional and they don't, they know that they need the support, but they just aren't in a position to bring on someone. We serve as their, uh, their outsourced HR department, but then also we can lend ourselves to projects for organizations, large and small, that want to focus on what they're good at, but still need support. Uh, awesome. And I'm, I'm just really intrigued that you know, with the, the theme of this podcast being around, you know, the more human aspects, such as vulnerability, awareness, you know, courage, uh, mindset, etc. Do these, when you're helping organizations are those conversations around the more humanistic skills are they a regular conversation as part of development of people or, or not at the moment in what you see within your client base not not initially um, a lot of working with a business at my scale is changing the mindset from HR as paperwork to HR as a strategic function. And so I'm taking a, an organization that realizes that they need really strong legal compliance and then guiding them into a conversation of, hey, how, how are we doing with the people that are employed in your organization? And what's the overall sentiment of your employees? So it's it's, it's almost a, a culture shift that we look to do so that we can have those conversations of vulnerability. And when you work with, when you work directly with small business owners, you, you learn that, you know, the trust is only at like an arm's length. Um, but the more you solve their problems, the more you show that you're there for them, the more you show that 
you know, you are all about preserving their business legacy and, and helping them succeed, then that's where more of the vulnerability starts. Um, sometimes my conversations feel more like business calls. Sometimes they feel more like, uh, you know, they're on my psychologist chair and I'm just listening. I'm a listening ear. Um, it, it really depends, but that's the value where I try to lead my organization is going beyond the administrative and into the strategic, into the vulnerable, into the human side of HR. That's beautiful. And I, I'm really sensing that you are, like I say, you're not just offering an outsourced HR sort of inverted commas shared service solution. You're really offering that confidant, um, that real, yes. that, 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 you know, that real critical ear and support as needed. Yes. Yes. I mean, for a, a small business owner is going to have their, their attorney, they're going to have their accountant, they're going to have their retirement plan advisor. They may have their benefits broker and they're going to now have their HR person. And it, the helpful thing with that person not being in the organization is that they can look objectively into the organization because as much as the relationship is, you know, uh, I'm here to provide a service to you. You know, I, I truly am here to look out for your best interest and I'm not here to be a yes man. I'm not here just to go along with what you say because, you know, you're my employer, but truly seeing this as a partnership in your success, I can have those hard questions with business owners. I can help them think objectively about, uh, man, I could, I can tell you a story, um, you know, I worked with a company in New York and the owner was significantly frustrated with uh, business taxes, with uh, rent going sky high, with all of these things that, that uh, happened in, in New York, you know, the cost of doing business in New York. And he was like, you know what, I'm over it. I'm going to move the office to Connecticut where I live and I don't care. Life is going to be great. But then I was like, you know, half of your staff commutes in from New Jersey. <laughs> and for the listener who um, may not, you know, be able to place all these places on a map, uh, New York City is a, is a central point to uh, Connecticut and New Jersey, but there's no way anyone would move from or commute from New Jersey to Connecticut or vice versa for employment. And so I, I, I had to have a conversation with him and say, hey, look, We've run the, I've looked at the employee addresses. I've looked at your key people on the team. There's no way moving to Connecticut is going to preserve your business uh, or and at least preserve the culture of the business. And so, you know, I was helpful in the office relocation where it was, it remained downtown in New York, but it didn't go all the way up to, to Connecticut. And so, those conversations don't happen unless the owner trusts you into their biggest frustrations. And uh, forgive me for talking too much, but hopefully that story um, seals the, the, the sentiment of it's not just about HR, but it's about understanding frustrations and um, sometimes talking people off of ledges and saying, hey, there might be a win-win solution. Let's just kind of look at this from a few different angles. 
Oh, it's, it's beautiful, Joe, and I really appreciate you taking the time to share the story, to be honest, because I think what's coming up for me as you explain that is a really great education for these, not just for new people in, in HR or people functions, but those that are established, which is actually, you know, do we give ourselves permission to step into the shoes of that CEO or senior leader to understand what their pressures are? Because I'll be honest, Joey, I've been one of those people in the past that's yeah. like, you're a senior leader, you're paid a fortune, why, don't you, why aren't you superhuman? Whereas actually yeah. what maybe be coming from is actually you're also, we're all human. Like what yeah. can I do for you? How can I serve you to help you? Which is what you're speaking to. That's right. That's right. You know, there's that old saying that everyone puts their pants on one leg at a time. <laughs> and for the business owner, no matter the size of revenue in the company, there, there is no dollar amount that makes you invincible. There is no dollar amount that makes you immune to uh, emotional challenges. Uh, there's no dollar amount that makes you, you know, immune to the way that a disagreement with your spouse or, or with your kids might impact your day, you know? So we are all human. That's the, the long and short of it. We're all human. We're all vulnerable to, to, to uh, life, being, to being impacted by life. I'd like to do a little bit of a segue, Joe, if I may. I'm really intrigued. What, what has sort of challenged your thinking or what's, what's spurred on your growth personally, maybe in the last six, 12 months? I know you've had a, a recent family member, so maybe that's part of it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I have a beautiful daughter. Uh, I have a beautiful daughter. She is, uh, she'll be 11 months old by the time that this recording comes out. And that has really challenged me. Um, it's challenged the way that I prioritize my time. It's challenged, uh, you know, my perception of, well, why do I go to work? Um, as an example, you know, I may want to work extra hard on the weekends, but then I'm re reminded that I'm working to provide a, a good quality of life for my family. So I should probably spend time with my family more than I would with my wife because, you know, she's busy as well. She has her hobbies. And before our daughter came, she could uh, entertain herself. I could entertain myself. But now that there's this, this child that we're raising together, you know, it really, it really, um, it's changed how I spend my time. And it's, it's, it's made me make a lot of hard decisions in life to make sure that I can preserve my time for her because she'll only be 11 months one time. And uh, as much as I would hope to, you know, have a loving relationship with her for a thousand years, I realize that there's only a finite amount of time that we can spend with one another. Um, but, but ultimately, um, in addition to that, uh, I'm a big person of faith as well. And so just, um, being a person with, with Christian values and trying to um, live those out and growing those and be challenged by those and seeing how uh, life uh, creates the opportunities to grow in areas uh, of my faith, um, that's a big thing. And uh, there's a book called The Shack. And as much as it's about Christian values, anyone could read it and they'd have good, good uh, literature um, qualities. And it really just talks about empathy and how even you can empathize with those who may oppress you or those who may have done something hugely significant. 
realizing that they are who they are uh, because of a series of life experiences that happened to them. And I think that book was very, very foundational in just my approach of, well, executives are people too, you know, um, in addition to being an executive of a company and knowing that I'm, I'm human and I make mistakes and I don't always have the right answers. So uh, empathy all around. Wonderful. Beautiful. Well, look, as we start to uh, move our way towards the end of our conversation today, uh, Jerry, I've got a couple of things I'd like to just wrap up with. One of them is um, I saw a tweet exchange with you quite recently, and I really love this comment. And you spoke to it a little bit just now, is you said learning is supposed to be uncomfortable. And I, mm. I found that really interesting. I was wondering if you wouldn't mind speaking to that a little bit more for us. Well, learning is supposed to be uncomfortable. First of all, I want to say, Gary, thank you for being a very active uh, supporter of, of my Twitter feed. Um, you're someone that I can count on and rely on for engagement and quality engagement. I love your feed as well. So thank you for being a part of my social community. Um, but with the idea of learning being uncomfortable, we we sometimes can find ourselves surrounded in silos where we just learn things that affirm what we already know or we learn things that don't challenge our beliefs or our perspectives or um, the way that we see the world and but when learning is uncomfortable that's that's admitting the reality that there could be more to life than the way that we look at it. And whether that's uh, for me, um, you know, learning is uncomfortable when I have to admit that I made a mistake or, uh, you know, admit that, hey, maybe that thing didn't go the best way that it could have. And I need to learn from this situation and move on accordingly. Uh, it could be learning, you know, <laughs> as I get older, you know, I can't, I can't run that, uh, that six minute mile like I used to. <laughs> and so <laughs> I have to, you know, adjust my, uh, expectations of, of performance based on where I am. But, um, whether it be large or small, um, consequential or insignificant, I truly believe that learning should be uncomfortable because, learning should challenge you it should make you step outside of your comfort zone learning when you learn you should expand like a sponge and that can be uncomfortable when you go past the point of where you're when you're normally stretched that's that's so awesome and i what, what was really powerful for me in that and it's something this podcast to be honest uh, joey for me has been that for me, um, experience over the last 18 months particularly where i noticed in the early days that i was in my comfort zone of talking to just people about, you know, business, coaches. And I wasn't talking to people that were different to me um, in background. I wasn't talking to people that had disability. I wasn't people to talking to people that were people of color. And I really made a conscious decision sort of six months in to go, hang on, how can I, how can I talk about vulnerability if I'm yes. talking to people that all look like me? So like, it's a yeah. really interesting shift for me that about a year ago, actually. Gary, that's a phenomenal point. And I want to thank you for that because I was doing an interview recently with uh, Cecilia Pellerou and you probably follow her on Twitter. She's the, the VP of HCM at uh, Ultimate Software. Yeah. And 
we were having a conversation about remote work. It, it's on my podcast. We just released the videos of the interview today, actually. Um, but she mentioned the fact that remote work is great for uh, workers with differing abilities, uh, with, with that are dis disabled or um, have have various challenges. Because she was saying how you know so often we look inside the workplace of how we're making things better for people with disabilities, but if if it takes two hours to get to work. Did we really make the work experience or the employee experience for someone with a disability? Did we make that a better workplace or is it still a challenge for them? And so, you know, that that was a mind shift for me because I always thought of work just from the confines of, you know, the place that you work in. But now we have to have conversations about the commute and if a person is able to make that commute or not and would we be serving that person more better if we allow them to work from home and we work with them as if they were a remote worker so there's there are so many other so many other others i guess um you know being a minority a person of color but you know having conversations with women having conversations with uh people who are in the majority uh having conversations with with the lgbtq community like understanding what is the experience like for you and how do we make a uh all-encompassing workplace that is uh that is a that is functional for for all parties i love that so much joe and what's coming up for me and i've not actually like just in the moment is this we've got a lot about employee experience we've got a lot about customer experience i think that's all very valid but you almost go back a step, don't you? Almost spiritually and go, actually, isn't it all about the life or human experience? So if we yeah. actually design work to serve everybody on a human level, then actually we don't need a lot of this other stuff if we're being really brutal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, technology, technology's role should be to help humans perform at scale. It should not be to replace uh, humans. Um, so that that's just kind of my my soapbox of it. But you're right. If we if we look to grow people, then a lot of business challenges could be avoided. And if we look to care about them in the right way. Lovely. Well, look, I'd like you to have the last word, um, Joe, as we as we wrap up now. I'm really excited to hear that you're going to be heading off to Sofia, I think, very soon. Yes, I'll be traveling to Sofia, Bulgaria for the HR and Leadership Forum presented by Economedia. I'm super grateful to them for the opportunity to stand on their platform. I will be talking about uh, the rise of the robots and why a people first strategy still makes sense in today's business climate. And then I'll be delivering a training on how to build a great employee experience from the inside out. Uh, that's based on research, that's based on experience in the trenches. And so hopefully my time there will be valuable to all parties. And I uh, have a weekly podcast. If you love this conversation and you'd like to uh, hear more of my thoughts, uh, that's the Business Life and Coffee podcast. It's available where podcasts are. And Gary, my last words will be of gratitude because you brought me on to a podcast about vulnerability. And that's one of the major areas I'm looking to grow as a leader, as a human. So thank you for allowing me to step out of my comfort zone 
and grow in vulnerability by being a part of your podcast today. Not at all. Like the joy's been all mine, uh, Joey. Really appreciate your time and uh, have a good time in Sophia and we'll keep in touch. Thanks, Gary. Take care. And thanks, listeners, for tuning in. Cheers. Thanks all. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Hello there, Gary Turner, wrapping up this awesome conversation with Joey Price, CEO of Jumpstart HR. I just wanted to share a few of my final reflections with you in case they were helpful. first one was around the remote working um, in that on a recent conversation between Joey and Cecile from Ultimate Software. um, He spoke about that remote working is great for different people with different abilities and challenges and that we need to be having the conversation around even the commute as part of the inclusion conversation. But there are so many other others um, as part of this discussion. It always makes me think back to the wonderful Deborah Rue and her work um, around helping big brands globally be more disability inclusive. And indeed, her um, book, Inclusion Branding, is one of the best ones I've read in this space um, to date. And I really love the question that Joey spoke about, which was, what is the experience like for you? I just wonder if you're listening to these reflections right now, how often do you have that conversation if you don't understand something from somebody else's point of view, that empathetic point of view? What is the experience like for you? I challenge myself, but also you, to try and uh, understand how somebody else's experience um, feels and looks like as you go into your new working week. I also loved Joe talking about the fact that he truly believes that learning should be uncomfortable because learning should be challenging. We should step outside our comfort zone. We should be like a sponge. This always reminds me of the great work of Whitney Johnson and Disrupt Yourself. Um, I recently mapped my career journey of the last 20 years onto Whitney's S-curve of learning and it was fascinating to see that I indeed have pushed myself off of different um, S-curves of learning consistently over the last 16 years where I've not been in the same job for more than four years in a row. Um, So what does it look like for you? Are you able to disrupt yourself? Is it something you're looking actively to do? Um, Because learning should be uncomfortable according to Joey and I would agree there needs to be an element of stretch and not stress may I add um, in that growth. I also enjoyed hearing Joey speak about the fact that technology's role should be to help humans perform at scale, not to replace humans. And I think that's one of the most succinct summaries from any walk of life and work around technology and its positive impact um, on society. Technology's role should be to help humans perform at scale, not to replace humans. I truly believe, and for anybody that follows me or indeed interacts with me, um, I speak quite often the, about the Gallup stats that have been stubbornly stuck that only one in three being fully engaged globally over the last uh, decade now, if not longer. So that means for every um, one pound or every dollar spent on salaries, 67 cents in the dollar is going straight down the drain. You know, no wonder why would, no, it's no wonder that technology would replace humans if humans are that ineffective or that unhappy in their work. So how can we, um, in performance roles, HR, sales, etc. How do we create the conditions, the safe conditions that allow people to unleash their innate brilliance and potential? And finally, Joey agreed and spoke to the fact that he's seen the identity crisis that exists over the last seven years within HR. HR is trying to figure out what it is, but equally and empathetically, Joey speaks in the midst of business working out what it is also. 
So is that actually part of the challenge here, that HR has a, a slight identity crisis due to the pace of change, or is it just something to do with the function itself? Really interested in your particular view. Um, they're my summary takeaways. I love the conversation with Joey. Um, this is airing um, set on the Monday, the 28th of October. So in a few days' time, as this airs, Joey will be speaking in Sofia, Bulgaria, um, doing a keynote speak and a workshop. So do look out for him if you're in that area or can be. He's an awesome guy. Please do follow Joey. Please do follow myself. That's Gary Turner on at GaryTurner0 on Twitter. That's G-A-R-R-Y. I'm now on Instagram, The Listening Organization. You can find me on LinkedIn and also at my website, thelisteningorganization.co.uk, all one word. So have a wonderful week, whatever you're doing. And I really hope to hear from you and look forward to any feedback you may be kind enough to offer. Till next time, goodbye. Really hoping that you enjoyed that exploration on the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. You can find out much more about HexoChange at hexochangenow.com. That's H-E-X-O-Change-Now, one word, dot com. You can subscribe to a weekly newsletter at that website, which includes information about live stream conversations, further service offerings, blogs, but also our in-person events, of which we have multiple each year. So I really hope that you'll join us. Do connect with me, Gary Turner, on LinkedIn, and I really hope to hear from you soon.